he didn't get a chance to uh, partake of it, uh, catch it on uh, the Facebook or YouTube, and uh, I'll have it on the uh, podcast later. The um, section we're dealing with now is with Abram, Abraham, and how Abraham was justified. In, in the first part of this chapter, it says Abraham was justified by faith. He believed God when God promised him that he would have descendants as much as the stars. And that was credited to him as righteousness. Last week we gave a, a really good definition. If you get a chance to go back and you didn't remember what we talked about, last week around minute 28, play about five minutes right there, there's a really good definition of righteousness from last Sunday night. It'll really help you understand what that's all about. Um, but uh, we also talked a little bit about David um, and his understanding of imputed righteousness and how the Scriptures in the Old Testament confirm the work of faith in Christ all throughout the Old Testament. We mentioned that as well. Now we move into verse 9. And um, he's um, referring back to verses 7 and 8 where David has said, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall impute no sin or shall not ascribe their sin to them. And so in verse 9, where that says, Blessed is the first word in 7 and 8, he now says in verse 9, Does this blessedness then come upon just circumcised folks or upon the uncircumcised as well? Do we know the answer to this question? Hmm? Yes, it does. To which? It, blessing those that are circumcised and uncircumcised are blessed by God. That means not only Jews and Gentiles, but males and females. Because they can't be physically circumcised. But they were ex. This is really important, too. You may not have thought about this. But with the male population of Jewish. Since the men were circumcised, they're the ones who believe got the kingdom and the women just went under their faith. Not now. Got to believe for yourself. Ginger, you got to believe for yourself. Larry Joe came get you in. <laughs> you got to have your own heart clean before the Lord. Larry Joe can't do it for you. In some ways that's good. Some ways that's bad. But either way, it's on you. For we say, faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted to Abraham? This is verse 10. Was he circumcised or uncircumcised when he was accounted as faithful? He was still Abram. Correct? He was an uncircumcised, grown man. About 65 to 70 years old. And Abraham believed God was credited to him as righteousness while he was uncircumcised. So that even says, the end of verse 10, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And in verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision. It's a sign, not a requirement, a sign. A seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while he was still yet uncircumcised. So the faith came first. 
The circumcision came as a sign, a seal upon it, that He might be the Father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised. That verse, people forget. Abraham is a father, so they said during conversations with Jesus, Abraham is our father. Here it says, Abraham is the father of all those who are uncircumcised. To all those who believe, though they are not circumcised. That's verse 11. That's huge. That's big. Because people say he's the father of the faith. And there's sects today, including in southern Illinois, that say they're part of Abraham and they don't have to do this other stuff. And they don't claim it by fact of faith, but by birth. And they can track down their birthright to Abraham and say we are part of Abraham and therefore this stuff doesn't apply to us. But Abraham is the father of faith to those who believe. The father to those who believe. Father in faith, right? Faith, belief, hand in hand, not father by blood. Very, to me, kind of a fundamental statement. I think we all understand that, okay? Just making sure, because if we're not together on this, I don't want to go to the next part, because he adds the next layer. And the next layer starts getting really, really interesting. It says, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be given to those who are uncircumcised. Righteousness placed upon them who believe. Ooh. Are you saying, and is Paul saying, that if we believe and trust God at His Word and act on it, whether it's an act of repentance or love or kindness or grace or mercy, that God is calling us righteous and putting His righteousness upon us that's upon His Son Jesus Christ when we believe and act in faith like that? The answer is yes. Yes, God has put the righteousness of Jesus Christ on those who believe in faith, taking God at His word and acting on it. Yes, it's exactly what He's saying. And it says, the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in steps of the faith which our father Abraham while still uncircumcised. So he's a father of those who are circumcised who have faith and the uncircumcised who have faith. So he's the blood father of the circumcised, believers or not, but he's the faith father of the circumcised who have faith and blood father lineage. Double coverage. So a messianic a Jew is double covered. 
by the blood of Abraham's lineage and by faith in Christ. Faith of Christ. Double covenant. But it goes a little further. Before we get into verse 13, is everybody clear so far? So good. Anybody saying, explain this? Any questions? I like the way my Bible says it. says, Abraham is also the father, this is verse 12, of the circumcised who believe. So just being circumcised is not enough. Those who are circumcised must also follow the steps of the father Abraham. Mm-hmm. So they can be circumcised a hundred times, but they, that doesn't mean that they're, it's their faith that's right. done. Right. And what I was saying about the blood there is they're related to Abraham through the blood, but that won't save them. It's faith. The father of faith to those who believe get the righteousness imputed. Not the blood of being in Abraham's blood that gets the uh, righteousness. That's just the lineage. Two lineages there. The blood one which doesn't save you and the lineage of faith which does. And you don't have to be in the blood lineage, but if you are, it's double covered. I think I think I said that right earlier, but I just want to make sure that I that you didn't miss that. We're in Romans chapter four, verse thirteen, going on to it. If you need to know where we're at. Uh, the promise then in verse thirteen that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham. or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So, Abraham being heir came through his faith. Because Abraham believed and took God at His promise. Not requiring proof, Just trusting that God would do what God said He would do. That's faith. In verse 14, this is why this is important. If those who are of the law are heirs, the ones who obey the law and keep the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. In other words, if the law is how you get the promise and the heir of the world of the kingdom of God and you keep the law and you get it, then Abraham's faith doesn't work and faith does not matter. It violates, if you will, the covenant. In verse 15, because the law brings about wrath, God's anger, for where there's no law, there's no transgression. (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. Paul went back to that transgression thing. If you don't have a law, you don't have sin, therefore you don't have a transgression. But there is a law after Abraham, so there's a transgression. But Abraham didn't have the law, so he's faith. And there's no transgression on Abraham's part because he did it by faith. Because there was no law for him to adhere to. But rather, what Abraham adhered to was God's promise. So what would you rather adhere to in your walk with God? The law telling you what you got to do or the promise He's given you in Jesus Christ? promise that Calvary covers your sin and brings you into a new relationship. 
what would you rather have? The promise that it's for you too? Or under the law where you've got to keep it perfect? I'm going with the promise, okay? That's what I'd rather have. The promise and trusting of God said it's true and applies to me too. And the me that I'm referring to is also you too. All of us who believe. All who believe. Therefore, verse 16, it is of faith so that it would be according to What's that word? According to what? If it's by faith, it's according to what? Not law, but grace. 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 According to grace. Therefore, righteousness is made by grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But we believe God and He said, that's it. You trust Me in My Word that I'm going to do what I say you do, that I'll do, and you trust that that's true, then by My grace, I'm calling you righteous because you believe Me. The law didn't make you do that. You trusted Me, and that was enough. Trusting God is enough. As long as you trust God and act upon that belief. And it's according to grace, so the promise might be sure to hell the seed. Or, uh, if you want to use a different word there, might be certain to all the seed of Abraham. That means the ones of faith, and the ones of uncircumcision, and the ones of circumcision of faith. That's all the seed of Abraham. All the seed of Abraham are all who trust and believe God. That's the seed of Abraham. I know there's a lot of people out there who would say that uh, the seed of Abraham is only by bloodline. It's not true. Not spiritually. We are talking spiritually here. Abraham was righteous spiritually. Don't miss this. Abraham was righteous spiritually while Abram with no children. There was no seed at the time to be blessed through. But Abraham believed and in the future seed were those who believed too. All of Abraham's seed came from the promise of God. Do you see that? While he had no one, no child, the promise came. And Abraham was faithful to that promise. And the promise came so that everyone who came under Abraham would be born under that promise. While yet no child was born, so even the first child born was under that promise of faith. Not under the of airship of blood, but of faith. That's important. So he says, and to be sure then, the promise is sure or certain to all the seed, not only to those who are but the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all.
Those words in that verse offended first century Judeans. It offended them because they believed that the faith was blood lineage. And if they were of a tribe, they're good. But Paul's saying, just because you're in a blood lineage and you have this tradition that your forefathers have passed on to you, that you're part of Abraham, therefore you're part of God, you're missing the point. God is a God of love, of grace, and a God who desires to be worshipped and trusted. And it's those kind of people God seeks to worship Him. The Jews that don't believe in Christ, but they're still Abraham's, the seed of Abraham, from the seed of Abraham. Bloodline. Bloodline. But they don't, they're not in faith because they don't believe in faith or in Christ through faith. So, so they're not partakers of his righteousness. Yeah. They're not partakers of his righteousness. But God did make a promise that all his seed would be blessed in God. Doesn't say blessed in righteousness, but blessed in God. So the Jewish nation, which is Abraham's blood lineage, without the faith of Christ, are in the promise of being a great nation. But that doesn't mean they're righteous. It doesn't mean they're law-abiding, holy people. That also goes for the Muslims. Mm -hmm. They're part of Abraham's seed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lineage, blood lineage, sorry. Blood lineage. Yeah. You are correct. Uh, Hagar, Ishmael. Mm-hmm. So he's the father of us all. That's how verse 16 ends. In 17, he's got a, uh, he says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That's Genesis 17.5. That's where that quote comes from. He is the father of us all in the presence of him who believed, he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So he's giving praise to God that Abraham, who is the father of us all, that God said to Abram, I have made you a father of many nations. And Abram believed him. That he believed was the one who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. Now, different translations say this a little more clearly, but calling to something to exist that did not exist as though it did was the statement he said to Abram, that your descendants will be as many as the stars and sands of the seashore. That's a statement of calling to existence that which did not as though it did. And faith is to say, I agree Even though it's not visible, it hasn't existed, you said it, it's going to happen, I walk in that. That's what it means by the God who uh, speaks of things 
uh, which, who calls those things which do not exist as though they did. <coughs> Pretty simple statement, right? When God gives you a vision for some sort of ministry or something like that, I don't know how long ago it was, I think it was Amy that God put on her heart to do the food pantry. However long ago that was, it, it wasn't there. But God said, I'm calling this vision to you to make it exist as though it already has existed. And when she took that in faith, she said, well, God's already seen this happening, so I'm going to walk with Him into it. There's no way she could have seen all this. No way. But the vision is of something that God is going to do. That God said He is going to do. And He says it in such a way that it's a certainty. Although, it hadn't happened. He says it as if it has in the future. Our English has no way to say this. This has happened tomorrow. But that's what God said to Abraham. You will have these children tomorrow. As many descendants as this. This is a past tense future looking. (laughs) It already happened tomorrow. And we don't think like that. But God can see the spans of time and see tomorrow and say, this has happened already because I can see it. And He's telling you, this is happening tomorrow. And Abraham believing that, trusts that God can see that and can make it happen. That's faith. That's faith. Especially when the man's 65, 70 years old already. I don't know about you. Um, who's, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to expose anybody, but who is the oldest person in this room? Are you 80 yet? Like two years. Two years, alright. Imagine having your first son at age 80. Would you like that? To have your first son at age 80? And, and, and to continue having 20 more? Not this day. You wouldn't like that, would you? That's why Abraham took it on faith at age 70 that he's going to have a bunch of kids and he doesn't have any until age 80. Age 80, that's faith. That's like God walking to you and going, Hubert, in two years at this time, you will have a son. And you're going, <laughs> no, I ain't. <laughs> that's all you're going to say. No, I'm not. I'm done. I've lived my life. Abraham didn't say that. He said, I agree. That's why he called it faith. I think he showed more faith when he took his son. To, when his God told him to, to kill his son. Oh, absolutely. Because he knew if he killed his son, that that covenant, I mean, God had said, you know, he would have kids. Well, if he killed his son, then he would not have any lineage. Exactly. So he, that's when he really had faith, was when he believed that you know, this is not going to happen. God's gonna, not going to allow this to happen because he's already told me that I will have so many kids. You know. So that, to me, that's when he really had mm-hmm. faith. In Hebrews it says that God reckoned that somehow he could raise Isaac back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Because if you ever read that chapter, I think it's Genesis 20 or 22. He says... I think it's verse 6, he says uh, to the men, my son and I 
are going yonder to worship and we will come back to you. And two verses later, Isaac's carrying the wood. Abraham's carrying the fire. And Isaac says, Daddy, I see the wood. And I see the fire. But where is the sacrifice that we're going to offer to God? And Abraham's reply isn't you, son. He says, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. you got to know, by this time, Isaac has heard the story about the stars and the sand on the beach and being a great nation through him countless numbers of time. And when he's binding Isaac on the altar, he's going, Daddy, you sure about them stars? <laughs> you sure about them sand? And he says, Son, God said we must do this. And I will be obedient. He will provide a way. So we will be obedient regardless. I love you, but I love God more. And I will be obedient even to sacrifice my own son. And lifting the knife, God stayed his hand and provided a ram. God himself provided the sacrifice, a ram caught in the thickets. And that's what they sacrificed on that mountain. And then they came back and, and Isaac now, Isaac now had a measure of faith instilled in him by his father's faith. That's, that's another powerful statement. So his faith was righteousness, right? So God calls into things that exist as though they did and when they didn't. And in verse 18, it continues the sentence, who contrary to hope, Contrary to hope means you're not supposed to have any hope here. <laughs> hope doesn't make sense. Contrary to having hope, in hope, believe. That's Abraham. He believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. That's Genesis 15.5, which we looked at last week. So shall your descendants be. That was in hope believing. I heard a pastor once say, faith hopes in order to discover what it believes. I, I never understood what that meant, but I thought I'd throw that out there because I've never figured it out. But I like it. And then he says in verse 19, this is the whole thing with, with Hubert and the example there, and I, I need to quit after this verse. And being not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. He was about a hundred years old now. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. It says, he did not consider his own body. Think about that. Or Sarah's deadness of womb. He did not hope says it's impossible for this to happen. God says it can happen. It will happen. It has happened in the future. God says that. And so when Abraham hears that, all the contradictory messages in life 
he does not consider. I want you to hear that as one of the last thoughts for tonight. When God offers you something and something contradicts it, do not consider it. But God, this is the situation. Do not consider that situation. Consider what God said. Do not consider alternative things that are contrary to what God said. Do not entertain those things. They are not of faith. Do not consider those things. That's a powerful verse. If you ever need something to hang on to when your faith is a little weak, do not consider those things that are contrary to what God said for you. It's true. You consider them, you're going to mess your walk up. Get confused. Comments, thoughts, questions, ideas? Does that confuse anybody? Oh my gosh, this is wonderful stuff. Paul just, he'll just throw something in there and you'll, if you jump over it real quick and don't think about it, you go, well that was, what did he say? You take that 19th verse and you cement it in your heart. Don't consider things that are against what God says. Don't give the enemy time of day. Do not give consideration to the devil. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. All this stuff. And what are we doing? Oh God, I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. Yes, I know you said if I was faithful a little, you'd do a lot. But look at these things that are up against it. Do not consider. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because I think you figured this out already. If you consider faith and doubt and fear at the same time, you are double-minded. And God doesn't know where you stand. But if you say, God, I completely agree, and you start considering this other stuff, that's not faith. That's fear. That's question. That's doubt. God is seeking those who would worship Him in completeness. This other stuff don't consider. For me, that's a take-home. I wasn't planning on saying that. I didn't even see that verse until I just read it. I was thinking of the other verses. But I like that one for tonight, for us. For me, for sure. What you just said. Read verse 20. Mm-hmm. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. That's just what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Faith, giving glory to God. Yes. He doesn't waver. He doesn't give attention to things that don't agree with God. We, in this day and time, do it all the time as common practice. And we wonder why we don't have powerful, faith-filled, inspiring lives. That's why. Don't give place to the devil, says the New Testament. There's another way to say it. I've enjoyed tonight with you all.